I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and welcome to Church Online. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to hear from you. Just leave a comment or a like, and let us know that you're watching. And also, if you need anything, you can always visit us at lifechurchutah.com, and we'd love to be able to pray with you about anything. If you'd like to participate in giving today, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to the number on the screen. Once again, thank you for watching Church Online here at Life Church Utah. God bless. All right, now I've got to warn you. My message today is likely going to offend everybody in this room. You like being offended? I don't. <laughs> in fact, I hate it. You know, even those watching online may be a little offended. Why, you ask? Well, for some of you, my words of advice will not be perceived as being very spiritual. You know what I mean? Well, that's not spiritual enough, Pastor John. We need the meat of the word. For others, my comments will be too meaty. They're going to be too God-centered. I've heard it said one way you know you might be on the right track is to have people on both sides mad at you. So bring it on today, folks. No, not really. My point is not to upset anyone, but my goal is to challenge everyone. Being challenged is good. Being offended is not. So there's a big difference. Now, believe it or not, I've been a Christian for 34 and a half years. I know. I was just three days old when I accepted Christ. <laughs> if only. But I have been a Christian for 34 years, and I've been in some form of Christian service for 31 years. I began my Christian service by visiting, singing with, and preaching to the elderly and the physically and mentally challenged in nursing homes. Don't know if you knew that. But around that same time, I also served as a junior high youth pastor. I was too tightly wound for that job. <laughs> I will tell you that. But those two avenues of ministry could not have been any different. Many of the elderly I spent time with had vast amounts of knowledge and experience, and some even had a tremendous amount of wisdom. Junior hires, any junior hires in here? Junior hires, on the other hand, thought they knew it all, lacked life experience, and had not lived long enough to obtain a great deal of wisdom. Now, that's not to say that those in the nursing home were the keepers of all truth and that all the junior hires were irresponsible and reckless. What I've found is that some of the wisest people I have ever met are older, and yet some are junior high age. On the other hand, some of the most unwise and undisciplined people that I have ever met are adults and senior adults. Everyone in this room excluded, of course. That's everybody I've met in my past. And at the same time, I've had the privilege of getting to know some really awesome teenagers whose wisdom and understanding far exceed their age. You've met them too. Now, while visiting with some of the elderly in particular, what I saw and heard was a lot of pain and a lot of regret. Pain from making wrong choices and regret for not only making wrong choices, but failing to make, and listen to me, failing to make the right choices. There is a huge difference between the two. 
a good choice versus the right choice. All of them had made tens of thousands of choices over the course of their lifetimes. Many of those decisions were good decisions, but too many times they were not the right ones. Now, I don't think I've ever met anyone who set out at an early age to deliberately make what I call bonehead decisions. But guess what? We've all made them. Some of us made them this morning. And they're not here at this church this morning. They're out camping this morning. I'm teasing, sort of. Now, what should happen in all of our lives is that we need to move beyond the point where we make disobedient choices and simply good choices. As people of God, we should always strive to pray and ask God for his direction in every major decision. No, not what color of shoes you should put on in the morning. Not what color of socks you should wear. But certainly who you should marry. Where you should live. Should I buy that house? Should I buy that car? Should I go into debt? I can tell you the answer on that one. No. Don't go into debt. But keep in mind that prayer is not all that we should be doing. We should learn to know what God's word says. Because we can easily be deceived as people. When you pray and you know God's word, you are highly safeguarded and protected from making bad and simply good choices. You might ask, well, how can I know if I'm making just good choices or if I'm making the right choices? Well, I think an example of a good choice versus the right choice can be illustrated like this. And listen closely. It's a good decision to give money to God through your local church. Right? But guess what? It's the right choice to practice tithing to God through your local church. Why? Because that's what the Bible says to do. You can't go wrong if you follow God's word. Now, another example might be seen in church marriages. Notice I said church marriages. A good choice would be marrying a churchgoer. Well, we go to church together. But the right choice would not only be to simply marry someone who goes to a Christian church, but to date and ultimately marry a true follower of Christ, one whom you love and one with whom you are compatible. Amen? C.S. Lewis once said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the outcome, change the ending. There's so much truth in that. What I'd like to do this morning in order to hopefully enhance and improve your life is to offer you some simple advice. And I use advice in the simplest terms, the loosest terms. I'm not telling you to do these. I'm saying, hey, why don't you consider doing these? And I don't want you to think that I think I'm the embodiment of all wisdom. I am not the embodiment of all wisdom and knowledge and the epitome of how to make all the right choices in life. The advice I'm going to suggest to you has come from observation and application by living life for what is now 49 years. I know, you thought I was 34 in three days. <laughs> but I'm not. Are you ready? You got your pens ready? Got your cell phone silenced? <clears throat> really? Because I just heard one. <laughs> Shut those suckers off. So are you ready? 
Well, here goes. Number one, love God. I can't put it any more plainly. Love the Lord with every part of you. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Matthew 22.37 also says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your, all your noggin, all your brains. Loving God with every part is really easier said than done. We all have people and things that compete for our time and attention, not to mention the attempted distractions and harassment that Satan would attempt to bring our way. The Bible says that the way to know if we truly love God is by keeping his commandments. The word commandment to many New Testament Christians is a four-letter word. Guess what? God still has standards. He has requirements whereby we should live. The Bible says... The way to know if we truly love God is by keeping his commandments. We live life on God's terms, not our terms. So again, love God. Point number two. Make special note of this. Relax. Have fun and laugh. Well, Brother John, when I got saved, I stopped relaxing. I stopped having fun, and I've stopped laughing. Just look at my face. See all these frowny wrinkles? I once heard a, I once heard a wise person say, take the things of God very seriously, but have fun with the rest of life. Romans 12.3 says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Bam. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you, not measuring yourself by Jim down the row, by Sally in the other section, or by what you see on TV or what you read on the Internet. You measure yourself by the faith God has given us. Also, John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Now, if something's full and something keeps pouring into it, what happens to it? It overflows. That's the picture of the Christian life. The Holy Spirit filling us and overflowing us. His love, his peace, his joy, his patience, his kindness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his self-control. That's what the full life is all about. Now, do you think living a full life has some laughter involved? Have you looked at yourself in the mirror? You might want to do that. So relax, have fun, and learn to laugh. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Yes. All right, number three. Develop a deep honor and respect for God's word. Some of you haven't picked up a Bible in years. And that's not condemnation. That's just a reality check. But I'm going to tell you what, that reality check is going to bounce pretty soon. You need to know God's word. Otherwise, you will be deceived by most anything. 
Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's not a dead book. The word of God is alive and active when? When I read it, study it, and apply it. It is alive. Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In addition, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Well, I don't want to know what's wrong in my life. That's a problem. We all have problems in our lives. But we need to measure our lives by the word of God and make adjustments. And guess what? The Holy Spirit comes alongside us. He is our paraclete. He is our comforter. He is our guide. And he helps us to make the changes that are necessary. And last, 1 Peter 1.25 also says, But the word of the Lord remains forever. When you know and embrace and apply the word of God in your life and to your family, you can be assured that God will direct your decision-making and will fill you with his wisdom. So develop a deep honor and respect for God's word. Number four, get ready. For those of you who would accuse me of not being spiritual, this is your ammunition right here. Number four, ride a roller coaster. You know, I really thought I'd get get more of a laugh than that. Let's try that again. Let's back it up about 10 seconds. Point number four, ride a roller coaster. There you go. Don't be fuddy-duddies. Come on. Not surprisingly, I couldn't find a Bible verse that specifically or even generally deals with riding roller coasters. But I was reminded of the story of the prophet Elijah when he was taken to heaven by the Lord. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, it says, As they were walking along and talking together, that's Elijah and Elisha, Suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Now that would be a great name for a roller coaster. The chariot of fire. I want to ride that baby. And I'll tell you what, that is the way to go to heaven. No death, no sting. You are translated to heaven. Lord, let it be. And guess what? That is the picture. <clears throat> that is the picture of the resurrection of the dead in Christ. The rapture of the church. We come out of our graves, or if we're still alive and remain, when Christ comes back, we are taken up to heaven. And no, as the song said, we will not fly. Great song. It's a fun one. We're going to sing it second service. But we will be taken up to heaven. We'll be raptured up. Fly if you will, whatever you think. All right, point number five. Learn to pray. Learn to pray. Well, I'm talking challenged. You're going to have to work through that. First Chronicles 16.11 says, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Matthew 6, 7 also says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. That's one of my favorite verses. 
And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't use many words. But we, we may want to use some different words. We may, may want to change up our, our praying a little bit. You might ask, well, how does this apply to my life today? Well, I think sometimes people want others to think they're more spiritual than they really are. So when they have the opportunity or they create the opportunity themselves, they want to be seen by other people. They turn on what might be called the prayer show. Here we go, folks. I'm going to pray. Everybody get ready. Other times, some people might be guilty of praying repetitious prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. And this is what we used to say in our family. God bless dad, mom, Penny, Mike, Rick, Tim, John, Lori, grandpa, grandma, everybody, amen. Every night. That was my prayer. Until I got saved. Then I realized, hey, there's actually a living God in heaven who loves me and has saved me. And guess what? I'm going to start to talk to him. All right. Before I get into too much trouble, I'll move on here. And let me give you a little quote. I didn't put this in your notes. I thought about it later. Prayer without relationship is just talking. Prayer without relationship to God is just talking. So let me encourage you. Learn to pray. Point number six. Here's a not very spiritual one. Flashing red lights. Warning. Learn to cover your mouth. Learn to cover your mouth when you yawn, when you cough, when you sneeze, and when you chew. It's just considerate. Thank you. One amen. Shame on the rest of you. Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. This doesn't really apply, but it's a great verse. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. That's the way to live, folks. Let's be aware of how our behavior affects others. You might be thinking, well, I don't care what other people think about me. I'm going to do what I want to do. Therein lies the problem. That is the ultimate statement of insecurity and a lack of regard for other people. Learn to cover your mouth. Point number seven, embrace fasting. Embrace fasting. Now, there are many ways that we can fast. Food, of course, is one of them. Others might include electronics, social media, TV, your in-laws. No, oh, sorry. That wasn't in my notes. Somebody else must have put that there. Man. All right, social media, TV, sexual intimacy with your spouse, golf, hanging out with a close friend, and the list could go on and on and on. Luke 4, 2 says, he, Jesus, was tempted by the devil for 40 days, and he ate nothing during that time. Also, Daniel says in chapter 10, verse 3, all that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. So men, 
lay off the fra fragrant lotions. Some of that could be rancid cologne. That's the modern day, the modern day translation of that verse. I'm teasing, of course. All right. Fasting or the act of depriving yourself of a pleasure makes room for God to move more freely in your life because it allows you to focus on the Lord. I know for the first 12 hours, you're like, man, I'm really focusing on the lack of food and the hunger pains in my stomach, my blurred vision, my headaches. That's just your body detoxifying itself. That's a good thing. So embrace fasting. Point number eight. Okay, flashing red lights again. You catching the pattern here? It's every other one. One serious, one is kind of a goofball statement. All right, number eight. Never spit into a strong headwind. Yep. Now, I don't have a Bible verse for this one. It's just good advice. Number nine, learn to love and appreciate God's people, his church. Mark 12, 30 through 31 says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important, and we, we tend to not go to the second part of this verse. But Jesus says, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these, than these two. John 13, 35 also says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. Well, I just don't like Sally. Sorry, Sally Kalen. We actually have a Sally in here. I should have used another name. Gertrude. I just don't like Gertrude. I just don't like Pistol Pete. He's just not someone that I jive with. Well, that's fine. You don't have to be buddies with everybody. But if you want to go to heaven, you better love people. I didn't write it. Take it up with him. 1 John 4.20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Now, we don't need to do any Greek translations here. We don't need to break down the Greek words. The English is quite sufficient. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Pretty clear. But I actually did look up the Greek on this one. So the word hates here means to detest. To love someone less than someone else. Just give that to you to chew on. So learn to love and appreciate God's people. Guess what? We're going to be in heaven together. So we might as well learn to get along now. All right, number 10. Take a vacation. Take a vacation. Some of you take less vacations. Take fewer vacations. I didn't think about that earlier, but that's a good point. Now, you don't have to go to another country. You don't even have to go to Disneyland. Thank you, Jesus, for that. I know, some of you love Disneyland, and that is awesome. 
but it's probably because you have grandkids, right? Or, or uh, kids. Yeah, we'd rather go to the beach than go to Disneyland. So again, it doesn't have to be another country or Disneyland for that matter, but you need to take some time away from your normal routine. You might say, well, I can't afford to do something like that. My response would be, you can't afford not to. You've got to invest in your family. You've got to invest in the health and well-being of yourself and your family. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go into debt. That would be idiotic. But I am encouraging you to put away, let's say, $10 a week. Did you know that if you put away $10 a week after 12 months, you're going to have how much? 520 bucks. Guess what? You could go to St. George for the weekend. Even cheaper if you go during the week. Or if St. George is not your thing, you could go to Bear Lake. Do the same thing. The point is, change up your normal routine and allow your kids to see something new. So, take a vacation. You could even go for a hike. My wife likes to hike my legs off. Yes. Thank you, Lord, for my wife. I'll probably live an extra, I don't know, six minutes. <laughs> but hey, I will have lived longer. <laughs> Kudos to my bride. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 32 says, The apostles returned to Jesus. And don't overlook this verse or these verses. These are very important. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. They were not trying to fast. This was a forced fast. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. So take a vacation. Get away. Number 11. Think about heaven and being with Jesus forever. You ever ponder that thought? You know, this happens every once in a while. I go through seasons where I can't sleep well. And all of a sudden, it just hits me about 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Bam! There is a God in heaven. I mean, really, you know, we hear about it in church. We read it in our paraphrased Bibles. But to be challenged with that reality is awesome. There is a God in heaven who loves you, who created you to live for him, to experience him, and for you to one day spend eternity with him forever. Guess what? After the first thousand years, that'll be nothing. That'll be just like a, a blip on the radar. Sometimes we focus on the here and now too much. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And where he is gone, he will one day take us there to be with him. In fact, John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3 say, My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am, with the Father forever. 
Well, I get excited about that. But that's okay. Jesus is actively working on our behalf even today in 2018. So think about heaven and being with Jesus forever. And that may just shake up the way you live. That may just change your perspective when you go to work Monday morning. This is not all there is. There's so much more that God has in store. All right, finally, number 12, choose to be thankful. Psalm 106.1 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Now, I read a true story, a true story, that is, about some American soldiers during World War II. Although the region they were in was secure, sometimes the enemy would infiltrate the food supply and sometimes even the chow line. One such guy dressed in GI clothing had worked himself into the noontime lunch line. But the camp cook spotted him, pulled a pistol from under the table, and yelled for the MPs to come and arrest the man. After it was all over, the soldiers, the other soldiers asked the cook how he knew that this guy wasn't one of them. He said, well, I figured he wasn't one of you guys because he came back for seconds. <laughs> it's good to be thankful. Now, I don't want to belabor this morning's message because this is one of the shortest sermons you're ever going to hear anyway. I'm just telling you. You got a new pastor coming at some point. And he may like to talk for hours. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm being facetious. So again, I don't want to belabor the point, but I have some bonus material for you. First one is, eat some ice cream. Eat some ice cream. Unless, you know, I have to give these disclaimers because I take care of risk management here at the church. So I can't advise you of something that will uh, bring unhealth or uh, harm you in any way. So eat some ice cream, as long as your doctor says it's okay. There, we're covered. Liability is off of us. Apologize to someone you have hurt. Someone you've offended. Well, they just need to get over it. Well, it sounds like you need to pray through and let Jesus speak to you about that. Learn some good, clean jokes. Yeah, that's good. Forgive someone who hurts you. Forgiveness is for you, by the way. It's for me. Sit and listen to the birds. Have you done that recently? Sit and listen to the birds. It's awesome. Visit a nursing home. Go fishing. Any fishermen in here? Any want to be fishermen? Oh, let's get spiritual. Now. Any fishers of men? Okay. Uh, anyway, we are fishers of men, by the way. Anyway, visit someone in jail, not yourself. Go on a picnic. Oh, man, the mountains are so far away. That's 20 minutes, man. I don't know if my old jalopy will make it. I'll take you. You want to go? I'll take in my jalopy. But go on a picnic. Show your love for the homeless. Call an old friend. Go on a date. And maybe the best advice I can give you 
Never pass up the opportunity to keep your mouth shut. All right. I didn't write that. We'll give credit to Elizabeth Elliot, okay? James 1.19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. All kinds of amens. All right, so let me close with this. When I was a kid, my dad had an old Briggs and Stratton crank-style lawnmower. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That was the wheel of death. You would unfold the crank on the top and turn it clockwise until you wound it so tightly that it couldn't be cranked anymore. Once it stopped, you would fold the crank back down. You better fold the crank back down. <laughs> Otherwise, it bam. So fold the crank back down and take what I would call a key and flip a mechanism, and it would release the tension and spin the motor in the opposite direction, hopefully starting the lawnmower. Unless you forgot the gas, that'd be a bummer. But I think that old lawnmower is like a lot of us. We get wound up so tightly that all someone has to do is say the wrong thing. Turn in front of me on banger. Or do the wrong thing, and our mechanism gets released. And off we go. Watch out, everybody. We literally go off on people. Other people sometimes get so intense, and listen to me, I'm not throwing stones, I'm throwing rocks on this one. Other people sometimes get so intense in their pursuit of God that they leave a path of hurt and damaged relationships in their spiritual wake. While we pursue the Lord with all of our might, let us also remember to love our neighbor as ourself. Amen? There's a much better way to live. Now, if you don't take my advice that I've given you today, that's really fine. I'm going to still live. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to love you. And I'm going to be happy. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance at home. I'm not dancing here, folks. Sorry. That's not my thing. But please find a way to love God and love people, and you might just have a little more peace in your life. Be kind and play nicely with others. Okay? Can we all agree on that? All right, let's stand. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.